On today's episode, we are going to take a look at Johnson & Johnson's earnings. They just reported today for quarter one of 2020. So let's get started. Yo. All right, so the first thing we're going to take a look at is the stock performance. This company for today, they reported earnings in the morning. It's up 4% due to the earnings so we're gonna see that earnings report were actually not as bad as what was expected the company right now is sitting at 146 dollars and compare from its all-time highs in february this company is only down four point not even five percent and i think that's pretty impressive right the overall market's still down close to 20 percent, maybe a little bit lower than that um with today's gains maybe 15 percent down so to have a company that's only four percent five percent down compared to the overall market shows that there is true strength in this company before we begin guys don't forget to hit that thumbs up subscribe to the channel it helps the channel so much and post on the comments let me know do you guys think johnson and johnson did great earnings or what did you guys think about the company's earnings make sure to post on the comments i'm also streaming on twitch and make sure the information should be here and finally i have a discord group where i have some nice great investors in there we're, we're just sharing ideas so feel free to join all the information will be in the pinned comments or in the description if you're listening to the podcast all right so first let's just take a look at how earnings did and then we're going to take a look at some news article and finally the information that they've provided to us during during their earnings so non-gap earnings for sure were two dollars and thirty cents and it was expected for them to have somewhere around two dollars um so it beat by thirty cents and then they had gap earnings per share of two dollars and 17 cents and it beat by 74 cents so that's pretty good for them to have both non-gap earnings per share gains and gap earnings per share beat next let's take a look at revenue revenue for this company was 20.7 billion this company is pretty big to be making that kind of money and it beat by 1.21 billion dollars so that's close to five percent beat um pretty impressive and then year to year comparison this company um the revenue is up 3.3 percent all right so there's just two quick articles that we're going to take a look at before we take a look at the information the first one is johnson and johnson is still increasing their dividends and i think they've increased their dividends 25 years in a row which is pretty impressive showing that the strength of this company and i think it was a pretty bold move for this company to still increase their dividends here because it shows hey we are a strong company and we have plenty of cash right now to be able to increase our dividends again even though they did increase their dividends um they uh they did cut back a bit on their guidance and we're going to take a look at that later on in this episode the second piece of news that we're going to take a look at is johnson and johnson says that they can produce up to 900 million coronavirus vaccines doses by april of 2021 and that's obviously if trials go well they're expected to start trials somewhere in September. And if everything goes as planned by 2021 of April, they'll be able to have 900 million vaccines. So again, that's pretty pretty good news, right? It, it's, uh, any, I think anything right now that shows, hey, coronavirus vaccine also drives the market up a bit. Um, but remember, this is for April 2021, so a year from now. And this is assuming that they begin trials of, on humans on September and everything goes goes well from there all right so next we're going to take a look at the slideshow this company provided during the earnings and it gives a lot of information of what the company does and how it produces its revenue so it's definitely great information so first like i mentioned right their earnings revenue for the first quarter were 20.7 billion dollars which was a 3.3 percent increase compared to the same time 
last year and this is for the first quarter of of 2020 diluted earnings per share were two dollars and 17 cents which was an increase by 56 percent compared to the same time last year and adjusted diluted per, um, earnings per share were two dollars and three cents which increased by 9.5 percent so out of that 20.7 billion dollars that i just mentioned um i'm gonna break down what the revenue is 3.6 billion of that revenue comes from worldwide worldwide consumer health sales and this is pretty much over the counter stuff here you have your tylenol your listerine they do have the mouthwatch avino neutrogena pepsid um, so a lot of over-the-counter items are in the worldwide consumer health and that only makes up 3.6 billion so that's a little less than 10 percent closer to to eight percent over half of this company's total revenue comes from worldwide pharmaceutical sales worldwide pharmaceutical sales makes 11.1 billion dollars of that 20 point billion and here's where you have all your all your pharmaceutical prescription drugs Valera, um some other one. i think that's the only one i know but all of their main drugs are are here one thing i forgot to mention right this previous the over the worldwide consumer health sales increased 9.2 percent year to year so they are seeing strong increase there in the worldwide pharmaceutical sales they're seeing an increase of 8.7 so that's pretty pretty impressive right they're seeing increase in both um, the over-the-counter medicines and also the pharmaceutical medicines the final product is the worldwide medical sales and here's where they have different types of items for there for the medical world being wound closure dealing with hips with trauma with knees with spine surgical visions so that right there makes up 5.9 billion dollars of the 20.7 so close to 25 percent of total revenue a little bit over comes from worldwide medical sales unfortunately right now they have seen a sale decrease of this by 8.2 one of the main reasons they do say that they've seen this decrease is because right because of the coronavirus a lot less surgeries are being done that are not related to COVID-19 right now most hospitals are really focused on COVID-19 and unless it is a mandatory surgery it's not really um, going to happen at the moment so obviously they're going to see a decrease in those items as well as people staying home has helped out with less accidents so here they have um earlier in the episode i talked about that they have um they're planning to have a vaccine by quarter one of 2021 they mentioned april and here they pretty much just have a timeline of how that goes and i thought it was pretty cool to share in march 30 uh, in march 30th of 2020 they finally found like the the lead vaccine candidate by quarter of two of 2020 they expect to transfer of that master c and start pre-manufacturing by quarter three of 2020 that's when in september of 2020 they want to start their first human human studies by quarter four of 2020 they're gonna which is december they want to start collecting data and actually i think that's pretty crazy such a short amount of time in three months it, it only takes them three months to collect data um, so i think that's in in my mind right i don't know much about the medicine world but in my opinion only three months of data i feel like it's such a limited amount of, of data information um for any long-term effects that the medicine could have just saying again not a medical expert so i wouldn't know and finally they say by quarter one of 2021 they expect to have their first batches and obviously this is all if everything goes according to plan so if they have a slowdown somewhere else obviously the timeline is going to be expanded next i wanted to take a look at the quarter sales and how they went meant throughout the region so right previously we saw how they were through devices or through the segments we saw three segments they also have 
a few they have two main segments when they talk about about revenue worldwide first they have the united states and then they have international and when we talk about international they have europe they have the western hemisphere which does not include the united states so here you're gonna have canada central america south america and finally you have asia pacific and africa it is pretty impressive that united states alone makes up over half of the total revenue so out of the 20.7 billion dollars of revenue united states makes up 10.7 billion dollars of that the other 10 billion comes from international europe makes up the other uh, makes up close to half of that 10 4.8 billion comes from europe 3.7 billion comes from asia pacific and africa and 1.5 comes from the western hemisphere so now let's take a quick look just to see how that revenue has changed throughout the year United States compared to the same time last year grew by 5.6%. Pretty impressive. Those are strong growth numbers, um, if I may say so. Europe also grew by similar digits, 4.7% in Europe. And these are the two biggest, right? Europe and United States make up close to 75% of the total revenue. So to have the 75% of the total sales increase by mid single digits shows that there is still growth in this company. Then we have Western Hemisphere. The Western Hemisphere is, is pretty much flat. It lost 0.1%. Um, to me, that's just a round, that could be simply a rounding error. So it, it's it's very, very small loss there. Asia Pacific took a big hit and it's down 3.1%. Overall, worldwide, like we said, it was a 3.3% increase in, in revenue. And that's what I mentioned earlier before. Again, I just wanted to show the this company's financial highlights for 2020. Gap earnings per share for quarter one was two dollars and seventeen cents. For quarter one 2019, it was $1.39. So they were a lot better with their money this year compared to the same time last year. That's why we see that 56.1%. And adjusted earnings per share gives more realistic, right? Because if you do adjusted earnings per share, it takes away one-time expenses so they might have had a big one-time expense in gap earnings per share last year and that's why we see such a huge growth this year but when we take a look at adjusted earnings per share it shows it takes away those one-time one-time expenses and shows those the, the true what many say the true values last year was two dollars and ten cents this year was two dollar and thirty cents an increase of 9.5 percent so you can still see this company is still growing Again, this does not mean that I'm a fan of adjusted earnings per share, but I think it, I think it's as an investor you should look at both. Um, obviously, I don't want to invest in a company that gives me that's giving me negative gap earnings per share. But if those adjusted earnings per share do make sense in in what they're taking out and what are they removing, then I think it is good to be able to use both earnings per share. I know certain investors only like use, using gap. I know other investors only like using adjusted. I think for I personally enjoy take a look at both. All right, so we already saw the revenue. We saw how the revenue was distributed between those three segments. Then we saw the revenue by region. And I'm now wanted to take a look at this company's income statement to see um, where this company, is, how this company is really doing. So this company, like I said, last year made $20, $20 billion in sales, pretty much flat $20 billion. This year made $20.7 billion. So this was only a $700 million increase in, in, total, in total sales. But somehow this company, if we take a look here at net earnings, this company made 
about $2 billion more in net earnings than they did last year. And that, that's pretty crazy. That's why we see the huge change in earnings per share. And things like that you need to focus on, right? Because it's like, you've only made $700 million more um, in sales, but somehow your earnings were up by $2 billion. Um, so those are things one investor one needs to take a look and and we're going to take a look at it today so we can see right their cost of product sold did not decrease much it's pretty much the same the same amount so there was no change there the biggest things here are research and development expenses and in-process research and development so same time last year this company used about 3.6 billion dollars 3.6 almost 3.7 actually it is 3.7 so 3.7 billion dollars last year on some form of research and developments this year they used 2.6 billion dollars so 2.6 billion dollars now compared to 3.7 billion dollars last year so that's about 1.1 billion um change and that's where we see a huge portion of this company's um earnings right so that that now you add that back into the earnings and we can see why there was a shift in the earnings but things like this, I um, I think it's always good to take a look at to see where the changes happen. Finally, this company has yet to give in their 10Q report. So there's no real balance sheet out there at the moment until they pour out their 10Q report. Usually companies, even after earnings, still take some time before reporting their 10Q report. But they did give us a bit of a bit of information of how their her their balance sheet looks like. So right now they have about 18 billion dollars in cash and marketable securities that's a pretty pretty nice amount of cash um and they have a debt of 27.6 billion dollars so it gives them a net um net debt of about 10 billion dollars which is not too bad compared to the amount of cash and cash securities they have so i i don't think that that's unreasonable to have and then here they give us what their capital allocation strategy is the most important thing is they want to continue to keep organic growth of the business needs. They want high priority on free cash flow and lower priorities are investments, competitive dividends and share repurchase. Just this quarter alone, they spent $2.6 billion invested in research and development, which we actually saw um, previously in the in the um, in the income statement. And they're they're doing 2.5 billion dollars in dividend paid to shareholders to me sometimes as as an investor i'm not i'm not much of a dividend investor so my mentality can be a bit different compared to those but i, I would honestly prefer this company use its money more in researching and development right the healthcare is is such an industry that i'm pretty sure you can continue to develop new items and i think it's just a matter of how much cash you put on it so for them to almost have a one-to-one -one ratio on research and development and sh shareholder dividend returns um again that wouldn't make me a fan of the company but again i'm not much of a dividend investor opposed to a company that's really trying to grow next remember how we took a look at there are three segments and we saw the the only segment that really took an impact was medical devices that it was actually down close to eight percent compared to the same time last year they say that this is still bound to it's going to get worse for the upcoming quarter for quarter one they mentioned that this was the initial impact for quarter two they expect a significant impact here in the medical devices um, remember medical devices made up close to close to 25 percent of the total revenue so they're expecting to see a, a bigger impact there in quarter three they expect some form of stabilization and finally by quarter four they're expecting um, some form of recovery and this is pretty much 
I want to say this is the main reason this company is giving a down guidance compared or is pulling their their guidance due to this impact of the uh, of the medical devices. And yeah, $5.9 billion of that 20.7 billion came from medical devices. And that was after an 8.2 decrease. So the medical devices make up over 25%, close to close to 30% of the total revenue comes from medical devices. So they're expecting quarter two to be even worse. Um, so they're, they're gonna definitely see a slowdown here. Fine, let's take a look at this company's guidance. So they still say for the long term, fundamentals remain intact. There hasn't been much change, but they do say in the short term for 2020, they have to do, they have to lower their guidance to reflect the COVID-19 impact and related investments. So before this updated guidance, this company was expected for this year to have some uh, about a four to five percent growth in in sales for this full year for this guidance of 2020. They're actually retracting their guidance and they're expecting a lot lower numbers. Instead of $85 billion, they're expecting somewhere as low as $77 billion, which would mean this company is actually going to lose sales somewhere between 5.5% to 2% loss. So they're still saying they're going to expect some losses for this upcoming year compared to the same time last year. All right. So the last thing I want to take a look at is forward PE ratio for this company. For December of 2021, this company is expected to make somewhere between $9 and 35 cents. So that's two years from now. Right now, the company is sitting at $147, give or take. We divided by $9.35. This gives this a company a forward PE ratio of 15.72. I'm not going to lie. That actually looks pretty cheap. And if I am looking for somewhere to diversify, I might think Johnson & Johnson is, is not a bad place to do that. Um, some things I do like, right? They, they have a pretty great forward PE ratio. Their balance sheet is not that horrible. They have, they have a, a nice amount of cash and not too heavy of a debt. They are, we are going to see a decrease in their total, in their total revenue because of medical devices, but they are focusing on a COVID-19 vaccine, which if they do in fact do well with it, can be, can lead to really strong potential um, gains for the company. Finally, this company does provide a very strong, healthy dividends um, that we saw here. Thanks. We, I, I did not like though, is because of that strong dividend. Um, I do feel like this company can actually use more money in research and developments, but then that's just my my old understanding of how I like a company to to interact. But given that 15 forward PE ratio, I don't I, I, it doesn't look like bad for me. And it's something that I'm going to I'm going to think about uh, if I should enter this market. So let me know, guys, are, are, would you guys buy into Johnson and Johnson right now, even though this big this big gap up? Do you think that 15.7 forward PE ratio is still too high or too low for a two-year for two-year investments? Um, let me know in the comments below, guys. Have a good night and see you next time.